Be prepared. It's the 60-minute dash. I don't believe what I just saw. With your host, Hunter Highwell and Nick Pellucci. Tonight's ceremonial first pitch. We welcome to the field one of the best starting pitchers in the history of baseball. He was named Rookie of the Year in 1967. And two years later was the ace of the pitching staff for the 1969 world champion Miracle Mets. During his 20 year career he compiled 311 wins 3640 strikeouts 61 shutouts and three Cy Young Awards. In 1992 he was inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame by the highest percentage ever recorded. Please welcome to the mound the franchise. Tom Seaver. That was the Mets PA announcer at City Field bringing on or inviting Tom Seaver to throw out the ceremonial first pitch at City Field during the 2013 All-Star Game. And for those of you who haven't heard the news last week, Tom Seaver has retired from public life. Uh, his family came out and made the announcement, I believe it was Thursday, um, he has been diagnosed with dementia, 74-year-old uh, Tom Seaver, Hall of Famer, and it's just so gut-wrenching to hear about, especially to happen. I mean, you don't want to, you do not want to wish this upon your worst enemy. Dementia is never a good thing for anyone. Of course, you know it's a sickness, it's a terminal illness. Um, we see it happen far too often. You know, with the modern medicine that we have, I don't want to get into that, but it should, you lose your family member twice. It, it hurts. It really does. It, um, you know, first you lose them spiritually because they're, they're there physically, but they're not, their head's not there. They don't, they forget who you are. They forget, you know, almost every aspect of life. It's just like treating a toddler again and, you know, there's going to come a time where they lose him physically as well, unfortunately. But what a player and person that Tom Seaver was. We say this about a lot of people. You know, whenever something bad happens to someone, we bring out the good in what they once were. But Tom Seaver was a different... He he was a different specimen. You know, he came from... He was cut from a different cloth. He Really, he was. And, you know, he was before my time. But from what I've seen documentaries and whatnot, and, you know, the film that I watched, he was so dynamic on the field. And, you know, off the field, he was just a wholehearted person. There is not a single bad thing that you could pick out about this man. He truly was one of the greats, probably one of the greatest pitchers to ever step on the mound in Major League Baseball. He's by far the greatest Met to ever put on the orange and blue. You know, no one has ever, you know, even come within striking distance to reaching his level of dominance, of integrity, courage, and perseverance. Uh, his 20-year career was just one to be remembered forever, for all time. And, you know, with his 12 years with the Mets winning the 69 World Series, you know, he he stuck it through and he proved to be one of the best out there year after year you heard the stats but he had he was over 100 games over 500 
He had 311 wins. His 300th came, I believe it was the White Sox. Uh, a sub-3 ERA, three-time Cy Young Award winner, and 1967 Rookie of the Year. And it's just, I cannot put into words how heartfelt I am about this. Uh, at Speaking for the Mets organization, the fans, the family, my deepest prayers and my whole heart is out to that family. He is going to continue um, with his estate, with the GTS wineries that he owns out in California. But other than that, you know, um, we're not going to see him at the 50th anniversary ceremonies that the Mets are going to be holding in June for the Miracle Mets. Um, they are going to do a little bit with the family, from what I understand. But just to see the fact that, that you know, he's he's pretty much gone from the baseball world. And we're not going to see him at the baseball hall ceremonies. Uh, he's not going to be there. And right now, BVW has to be posting for a statue to be made in front of City Field. I would like to see a Tom Seaver statue erected in front of City Field in Flushing, New York sometime within the next two years. It should have been done already. We all know that. It's been talked about. Everyone's saying it. All the Mets fans saying, where's his statue? It's going to come one, one way or another, and deservingly so. And unfortunately, he probably won't even be there to see it. But I wish nothing but the best for him in the rest of his years. And for the family, um, our love and support will always be there. But we are going to bring it uh, to 2019. We're in spring training now. We're a couple weeks in. Um, two weeks, on, a little bit over two weeks until opening day for Major League Baseball. And teams are sort of getting into the groove. We know spring training is more for the pitchers. But you know what? For the Mets, I'm looking at something else. And I'm sure everyone else is. The first base battle. The first base battle right now in Queens. Well, right now in Florida, Port St. Lucie is so heated up right now. I mean, you got Dominic Smith, who was batting 500 for some time, now batting, uh, I believe, what is it, 423. Um, he has over a 1.0 OPS, and yet that's still not enough because you got Phenom Pete Alonzo, you know, the number one prospect on the New York Mets. He's doing the same thing. He's batting 414. With six RBIs and three home runs. Did you see the home run the other day? In Boston? Or against Boston? Cleared the uh, mini green monster. It's just so unbelievable um, to see the caliber that Pete Alonso is playing at right now. And you know what? To s I'm not going to take anything away from Dom Smith because he's playing out of his mind right now. And... You know, before the spring training even started, I would have said, you know what? I, I've had enough of Tom, Dom Smith. I've said it last year. You guys heard me. I had enough of him. I didn't want to. I mean, what has he proven in the two years that he had with the Mets? In his first two seasons that he came out, I mean, last year he couldn't even stay healthy. The guy looked out of shape. He was wheezing every time he got to first base. But now... 
He's spraying the ball. He's got some pop in his bat. And, you know, he's got a lot to prove. And now he's even willing to play in the outfield. He wants a spot on this roster, and deservingly so. He's made a case to be on this team and, you know, be productive. And you know what? I don't blame him. And I think it wouldn't be a bad idea to bring him up to Queens to start the season. Now, I know we're on the fence about it because, you know, you got Pete Alonso. You, you don't you don't want to waste any time because we, we're going to talk about this later. The Annalise is very tough this year. It may be the most competitive division in Major League Baseball. But you got to understand something. You're going to play to win right now. And if Dom Smith can carry over into the regular season the way he is right now, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against keeping Alonzo down uh, to keep him for another year, have another year of team control. But then again, you want to win now, and do you think that Dom Smith can keep this up, or is it just is this just a fad in some way? Do you, do you think that this can hold up? Because right now, I mean. They're making it a very hard decision, especially for Mickey Callaway. But um, the way Brody Van Wagen has carried uh, this team this offseason, the way he's handled uh, business operations and, you know, getting players to come here on uh, short contracts. I think that I, I'm not wor- too worried about the Mets right now. I'm really not. There's a lot of good coming out of this team. And there's a plethora of depth that BBW has ca- uh, brought on over. You got Keon Broxton, you got JD Davis, you got Rajay Davis, you got Hedani Echeverria. You got so many young guy, uh, older guys, veterans that have been in the leagues. I know they're coming off. A lot of these guys are coming off down years, but look at the Mets resume. They're known for, just a laundry list of injuries throughout the year all the time. So having this depth may not be such a bad thing. A lot of Mets fans might say, oh, what are they wasting their money on going for these low-end guys and, you know, not going for guys like Bryce Harper. Well, you know what? Because if you get Bryce Harper, you wouldn't have four of these guys. And maybe Bryce Harper equals four of these guys and then some. But you got to look at the big picture. You got to... I mean, look at the Nationals last year. Anthony Rendon went down. Daniel Murphy went down. The Really, the only guy that was in that lineup up until May when Juan Soto came up was Bryce Harper. And what did Bryce Harper do? He was batting 220. He was either getting walked or he got struck out. I wouldn't pitch to him either. So what's the point? I mean, Bryce Harper got a little impatient and wanted to, you know hit the ball instead of being walked every time. But, hey, good hitters are going to, you know, take advantage of that. You know, if I'm the best guy in the lineup and they don't want to pitch to me, all right, I'll get on base and I'll do something for the team so we can win. Bryce Harper didn't do that last year. And you know what? The Nationals weren't in the playoffs as they were expected to. You know, they were the favorites in that division. And then you got the Atlanta Braves winning 90 games. So right now, when you look at it, I mean, I have nothing against the Mets right now. They're doing an awesome job. And, I mean, Mickey Callaway, he's already said that he's not afraid to stack the lineup with lefties, which is a good sign for Dom Smith if he wants to stay on this lineup. And, you know, if even if he's not starting at first base on opening day, you know, we can see him in game situations where he can come up 
and be an outfielder. Now, that may alarm some people, and it alarms me a little bit too. I mean, we don't have, you know, a true center fielder. And we know Michael Conforto is not moving away from right field. He's right field indefinitely. But I'd like to see Brendan Nimmo in center field. I'd like to see, you know, Jeff McNeil play a little bit of left. That's what we got right now. You know, I'm much more comfortable with that than, you know, Juan Lagares, who is coming off multiple thumb and finger injuries. I mean, to be out for months on small injuries like that, I can't really say anything because I never had one. But you know what? I think we nurse these players a little bit too much. And I, right now, with this depth, if we're going to do that, by all means, I'll bring up Keon Brox and I'll bring up J.D. Davis. I'll bring up these guys. I'm not afraid. The Mets have depth, and Mets fans should not be mad about that. I said it again. There's so much. The Mets are a much better team than they were at game 162 last year. They are. Let's not forget the bullpen, too, with a few additions. And I know we're a little bit worried about Jason Vargas and whether he's going to be able to bounce back after a miserable year last year. And I mean miserable. I don't even want that guy to come back, but he's here. You know, we got to deal with it. But, you know, we got other options. Behind Vargas, we have Corey Oswalt. We have Kyle Dowdy. We have Walker Lockett, who I think has had a pretty decent spring so far. And I'm going to go back to what I said before. Spring training is supposed to be about the pitchers. We don't see dominance from pitchers, although we saw a great game from Zach Wheeler the other day shutting out the defending world champions in the Boston Red Sox. But, you know, you're not going to see no-hit baseball in spring training. These pitchers are just warming up. They're getting their, they're getting their tosses in, and that's it. You know, they're not, looking to, they're not looking for the Cy Young right now. They're not. Forget that. They're, they're working on their mechanics and their positioning and all that, making sure they can warm up so they don't get injured in the season. But that's the other thing that the Mets have. They have Gisellman. They have Lugo. And again, they have Corey Oswald and these guys. So what? how am I, as a Mets fan, supposed to be worried about this team? Hunter and I, and I forgot to mention, guys, Hunter is not here today. I'm sorry. Um, he's out with a sickness. Um, he couldn't stop coughing this morning. We wish him the best. Hope he gets uh, back next Monday, hoping for a speedy recovery. But we've talked about this. We know that the Annalise is hard. We know it's a tough division, and we have to compete. And there are teams out there in this division that can beat us. But I'm re- am I really that worried if I'm a Mets fan? If I have the depth that we have, if I still have guys like Michael Conforto, I have my ace, Jacob deGrom, Noah Syndergaard, the th- flamethrower, who's already throwing 97 miles an hour. No. I can't be worried. This is, this is a good team to start out with. But we have to get out on the right foot. We have to hit the ground running to start the season. You're listening to the 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. When we come back, we're going to do a little bit of the Yankees. They, too, have a little bet at first base. Later on, we'll get into more MLB as they get set for the season. And 
AB on the move. He has gone to the Raiders. We'll tell you all about it. And the New York Jets trying to revamp that offensive line for Sam Darnold's development. Don't go away. Connecticut School of Broadcasting founder Dick Robinson. You know, the media business has changed a lot since we opened our doors in 1964. Now media content is everywhere, on air, online, on the go. More than ever, companies are looking for people to help drive this new media. At Connecticut School of Broadcasting, you'll get hands-on training on the latest software and equipment in a matter of months, not years. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has placed thousands of grads in broadcast media careers. It's all about versatility. You see at a radio station, if you also know how to shoot edit and post videos you become a pretty hot commodity that's the training you get at connecticut school of broadcasting connecticut school of broadcasting with locations up and down the east coast from massachusetts to miami call 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to gocsb.com connecticut school of broadcasting the nation's oldest and largest group of broadcast media schools redefining training in radio tv and new media get trained get connected 1-800-TV-RADIO. The 60-Minute Dash, powered by All Noise Radio. We got more left, don't you? A whole lot, don't I thought so. Oh, God, I'm warm up. We're warming up. Going 0-60 to 60 with intense sports talk. We're back with the 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I'm Nick Pellucci. Hunter Highwell is Asente today. He is not here. He's out with a sickness, um, as I mentioned before. But we're going to cut in right into the Yankees because... Again, it's spring training. I love it. For those of you that know me know that my number one thing in life, <laughs> my passion is baseball. Always has been. But um, getting talking about the Yankees has been a little getting used to. You know, I never had to you know, talk good about the Yankees. And you know what? I have to because, you know, they're a good team. Um, there's a little bit to wor- be worried about if I'm a Yankees fan. A little bit. Um, but they too have a battle at first base. Now, let me cut straight to the chase. Luke Voigt and Greg Bird. Luke Voigt, who we saw come from the Cardinals last year and completely take control of that first base spot in the Bronx. I mean, this guy may be one of the key components to getting into the postseason. I mean, getting into the postseason was a breeze for the Yankees last year, but... To win 100 games, I think Luke Voigt gave them that extra push. His power and his resilience was what the Yankees are known for. Um, But I'm going to say right now, Luke Voigt has to be your opening day first baseman. I know we saw a lot more out of Greg Bird. He's had a lot of potential. You guys were banking on him for three years now. But in three years... 176 games. He has a lifetime 214 batting average. Is that what you want to bring in to the Bronx? Is that what the baby bombers want to do? You you got D.D. Gregorius out for the first half of the season uh, after suffering Tommy John surgery. Last year, you guys struggled to, you know, get guys on base and move guys over. Yeah, you guys have the power. Aaron Judge, I hear you over there saying that you guys are going to beat your own home run record. Hey, Dan. But really, come on. Home runs are not going to get you a World Series championship. I'm sorry. I don't know who made it, you know, the belief. Who made the belief that 
home runs are what get you to a World Series championship. Because as far as I'm concerned, um, from what we've seen from Boston, from Houston, from Chicago, the last three years, yeah, they had power. But they had the ability to get guys on base, move guys over. You know, traditional baseball, what we've been doing since 1869 when MLB became a thing. That's what gets you World Series championships. That's what gets you the extra five to ten wins. I don't care about your 300-plus home runs. I really don't. I don't. I've never been a home run guy. Maybe it's because I can't hit home runs because I'm 5'6", 150. But other than that, the scrappiness that you need to have as a baseball player is what's most important to me. And I think Luke Voigt, I mean, he had the edge. I, I don't care about the spring training stats right now because Bird, you know, he's had his eight hits batting 348 right now. Luke Voigt batting 263. I'm not sold on it. I'm not. I'm really not. Because Greg Bird, I know he, he struggled a little bit with injury. But for three years, he played 176 games. And to me, he hasn't shown consistency and he hasn't shown me that, you know, he is the player that we all thought he was going to be. I don't, I don't see it. So for me, the Yankees have to go with Luke Voigt on opening day. Now, as for the starting rotation, you guys are in a bit of trouble. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit it. I don't want to sugarcoat anything because you guys are going to be in for the long haul if you don't fix this situation out right now. First of all, Luis Severino and CeCe Sabathia are both not starting the season. They're not. Severino, he's doubtful for the start of the season because of the uh, the issues with the shoulder. And CeCe, you know, he's been dealing with injuries since he... How long? How long now? And you signed him to a one-year contract, so you're stuck with him. That's on Cashman. And I'm not mad at him because, you know, you need that veteran uh, presence in the, cl- uh, in the clubhouse. You really do. And, you know, uh, first half of that season, he really proved himself. But the back half of the season last year, you didn't see much of Luis Severino or CeCe Sabathia. And you still won games. But now that they're not starting the season this year, I mean, the Yankees have, they have to come out on all cylinders. They cannot slowly get into it, and they can't just survive in the beginning of this season. They have to do something. The back half of the rotation is already a question mark. Because behind James Paxton... And Masahiro Tanaka, you're looking at for a fifth starter in who? Domingo Germain or Luis Sessa? Jonathan Luazica? I, I mean, yeah, they can do well. I mean, you can bank on them. You can put your money into them. But, I mean, James Paxson was probably your biggest acquisition this off, uh, yeah, this offseason. It really was. In hindsight, with these two top guys down, and I'm not even saying CC 
is your second starter because he's not. It's probably going to be James Paxton. Masayu Tanaka, I gave up on him after his first year. I did. I, I mean, I, it didn't transition well. Uh, he's got a filthy slider. I'll give him that. And a filthy slink, a sinker, slinker. Wow. But you know, I just haven't seen again uh, consistency. You want to see consistency out of players, and I don't see it out of Masahiro Tanaka. I don't. So I, I'm a little bit worried. If I'm a Yankees fan, I'm worried to start the season. You're not starting on the right foot at all. You got these injuries, and you know you're starving for replacements right now. You you really are. And I don't like to use spring training as you know a preset of what the season's going to turn out to be, because we see a lot of teams just tank in spring training, or not tank, but just not do well, and they come out of the gates you know sprinting and hauling butt all the way through and I agree with that Tanaka again Tanaka you know you're not going to get much out of him I mean he's a solid number three number four starter for now but with these again with these two guys down you have there's a lot on his plate now he has to do so much more. Quite frankly, if you're going to start the season, I would start James Paxton and Jay Happ at the one and two. I really would. Masahiro Tanaka, your number three, he has to be right now. And then you really got to bank on Jonathan Loizaga, which is, seems to be the most compelling one to me right now, even more so than Luis Sessa. Do you guys have any more than that? I don't know, man. I don't know. I I really am scared for the Yankees because of, you know, they're, they're just, it's so paper thin with their starting rotation. And I get, I really get that they have the most dynamic bullpen in Major League Baseball. They do. I'm not going to argue that. You know, you got Zach Britton, you got Aroldis Chapman, Dellen Patantis, Adam Ottavino now, you are that guy who I wanted on the Mets. This is the deepest bullpen that you're going to see for some time. But Zach Britton and Adam Ottavino might be your most important pieces in that bullpen. Why? Because those guys can go out three or four times a week. They can pitch on back-to-back nights. They're going to give you some innings. But you have to get through the first six. And I don't see the New York Yankees, the most traditional team in Major League Baseball history, to go out with with an opener. It's not going to happen. The Yankees will not use an opener. Aaron Boone cannot go out with an opener. I don't see it. I can't see it. It's And the Yankees aren't designed for it. They're not. I, despite the injuries. I really think that you're just going to have to wait this one out and let it ride. 
Wait it out. You know? And in the beginning of the season, you know, I'm going to give it to them. They're, they're playing teams like Baltimore and teams like Detroit, who, you know, are not supposed to be good and probably won't be that good. But you got to remember something. Baltimore won a decent amount of games of the Yankees last year. Our friend Dan here made up a good point. They start a lot of their games in the division. Those are your most important games. You play each team in your division 19 times a year. So to start off the season hot, you're going you're gonna to have to make some sacrifices. You're going to have to you know, improvise a little bit. There's a lot of things to be done in the Bronx for the Yankees to start off this season. It's not going to be easy. You know, having the Boston Red Sox in your division does not help at all. So for right now, just work with what you got. And, you know, hopefully everything else will fall into place because, right, I <laughs> I get the bullpen. I get the power that you guys have. But, again, it's just not enough. And you guys didn't do enough this offseason. What did you really do? James Paxton, great acquisition. Adam Adovino, great acquisition. LeMahieu, great acquisition. Tulowitzki, a little bit of a question mark, but I get it because DD's out. And you're going to need um, a true shortstop that, you know, has proven himself. But also coming off a down year. The Yankees, I mean, I mean, they brought in these guys, but for notoriously being known for being the biggest market. They are the biggest market. But they didn't spend like it. Cashman did not go sell out this year. He definitely took a step back in this franchise. And that has to be a little bit alarming, doesn't it? That you guys didn't try to shell out for a Manny Machado. I know Hunter and I talked about this already, but now, in, again, in hindsight... If you look at this roster right now and you make your opening day list of who's starting, is that a World Series championship team to you? Because I'm not so sure. It's still, it's still a powerhouse. It's still a juggernaut out there. But you got teams that are better. You're supposed to be better than you were last year. And the Yankees are. But when you go shot for shot with the other teams who are good, it's not going to help you out much. Houston's still going to be up there. Boston's still going to be up there. And hey, maybe it's because, you know, they went, they went with the farm system. You know, they, they sucked for some time and they brought up guys. They, uh, you know, the Boston has Mookie Betts. They have Ben Attendee, Jackie Bradley, who might have a monster year this year. In Houston, Altuve, Correa, Bregman. Right off the bat, you can name those three guys. And they're true players, and they've carried their teams respectively. The Yankees might be trying. I think they're in the middle between trying to follow that format while also being who the Yankees really are. And that's to buy their teams, 
and try to make a run for it. And this year, they're going to have to do a little bit more to make a run for it. You're listening to the 60 Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Don't go away. Another half of our show, we got some football talk where AB has gone and a little bit more of the MLB. Stay tuned. You know, our jobs occupy more than half our waking hours. Shouldn't we be doing something we love? Call Connecticut School of Broadcasting at 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Since 1964, Connecticut School of Broadcasting, with a network of 12 campuses from Massachusetts to Miami, has helped place thousands of grads as DJs, sportscasters, entertainment reporters, behind the scenes in audio and video production, every aspect of the broadcast media. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has trained men and women of all ages and backgrounds in a matter of months, not years. Learn by doing from area radio and TV pros. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Remember, it's never too late to love what you do. Day and evening classes begin soon. Get trained. Get connected now. Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60-Minute Dash on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60-Minute Dash. And on Twitter, ask questions and answer polls using hashtag Ask60. Yo-ho, Nick Pellucci on the 60-Minute Dash. Hunter Highwell out today with a sickness. We covered the Mets and the Yankees and their first base uh, battles and what they need to do before the season starts a little bit. Uh, We're going to cut into the rest of the MLB because the MLB needs work. And there's still free agents unsigned. Notable free agents unsigned. Yet to be unsigned. Where are they going to go? When are they going to go? Because right now, we're looking at guys like Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel who don't have homes. And they can help any one of these teams right now. We're going to look into some of what some teams need. Um, I'm going to start off by saying one of the most notable things right now, groundbreaking news. Adam Jones has signed a one-year deal with the Diamondbacks. And I don't know how I feel about it. The 30, I believe he's 34, the 34-year-old veteran Adam Jones, who spent all his time with the Baltimore Orioles, has agreed to a deal down in Arizona. A team that has let go of Paul Goldschmidt. A team that has let go of A.J. Pollock. They're on the move. They're elsewhere. We all know where they are. Zach Granke, I don't know if he wants to be there or not. I don't know if he's sold on Arizona. And quite frankly, I don't know if I am either. Because they still got to compete with the San Francisco Giants. Who, you know, I mean, they haven't made much moves yet either. And Mad Bum is a free agent at the end of the year. So who knows? Maybe he gets dished out at the deadline. But then you got the Dodgers. Dodgers aren't going anywhere. Yeah, sure, you had an eight-game lead on them last year. The Giants did. Dodgers were below 500 in June. They still made it to the World Series. Yeah, they lost, but (laughs) they made it a lot further than any other team in the West. The West is a bit depleted. I know the Padres, they got Manny Machado, they signed... Eric Hosmer did a long-term deal last year. They got Will Myers, but their pitching staff worries me. And I don't know if that, you know, these 
superstars are going to be enough to get them over the hump. Because the Dodgers still have Cody Bellinger. Corey Seager's coming back. Red turn two, Justin Turner at third base. Yeah, they got rid of Puig and Kemp. They dished him out to Cincinnati. But when you look at up and down this team, it's still the favorite. Kershaw's still there. Maeda, I'm sure, is going to have a pretty decent year. Walker Bueller, great rookie last year, showed what, he can, what he's capable of. He's going to be there. Dodgers, are, they're just too strong of a team for the Diamondbacks to make an answer for. Adam Jones isn't enough, especially when you got rid of probably one of the best hitting first basemen in Major League Baseball. It's just not enough. I'm sorry. There's got to be more to that. And then you still don't know who your starting catcher is. Is it going to be Carson Kelly? The 24-year-old? Who you received for Paul Goldschmidt? Because Alex Avila is still there. He's still in the mix. He's, he's productive. Maybe not top 10. The Arizona Dimebacks are just have too many weak spots to even compete in the National League West. Because like I said, you still have the Dodgers. All right? They're, they're, your, they're your definite favorites. Don't forget that. And then, the Giants, I know, you know, where are they? What are, what are they supposed to be? Do they have an identity? And then you got the Rockies. A very dynamic hitting team. And they just re-signed Nolan Arenado. They got Charlie Blackman. They got Trevor Story. They pretty much have what they need. They're doing okay. They're going to compete again. It's probably going to be, be between the Rockies and the Dodgers. For sure. You can believe that. So right now, I, I, again, the Adam Jones signing, um, I'm glad that he has a job because he's a heck of a player. But I would have liked to see him on maybe Minnesota, who's done a little bit. But let me just talk about the AL Central, okay? Now, Cleveland has been, you know, the top-notch team in that division for two to three years now. I know it was between them and Kansas City a couple years ago when Kansas City made back-to-back appearances in the World Series. They got themselves a World Series championship in 2015. But now they're at the bottom of the barrel. So really, to me, I think the Indians won the division already. And the season hasn't even started. White Sox made a push for Manny Machado. They didn't get him. Tigers? Well, Miggy, you know, he's not going to play 150 games. And you can't do it with one player. Every best pitcher that the Tigers ever had is now pitching for the Boston Red Sox. And they won the World Series last year. And then you got the Twins. Which I don't know where the Twins are going either. Twins are just a big question mark in that AL Central. Sure, they got Nelson Cruz and Jonathan Shoup. Blake Parker. But if they want to be somewhat competitive, guys like Brian Buxton Buxton have to stay healthy. 
there's just no competition in that division. They don't have enough. Chicago White Sox, John Jay and Kelvin Herrera. Is that, is that going to lift your team? I'm not so sure about that. I'm not sold on any of these teams. So Cleveland is just going to make another run for it. They lost a couple guys, like Josh Donaldson, who I don't think was going to be that much of a threat anyway. He's in Atlanta now. And we'll get to the AL East in a sec, the NL East in a second. But really, there's there's nothing going on in the AL East that uh, the AL Central. I'm sorry, that really could make a run for it against Cleveland. I'm sorry. Now as for the National League East, like we've said in uh, recent weeks, Hunter and I. There's not a single team that there's not a single complete team in that division. All these teams have holes. You got the Braves. Sure, they won the division last year with 90 games. But who's their fifth starter? Is it going to be Mike Soroka? Because he's ruled out for the start of the season. And Julio Tyrone, he's got to have a bounce back year. Because he didn't look too good last year. He didn't. Cut me a break. Don't tell me the Atlanta Braves are the favorites in the division. And don't tell me the Phillies are either. Listen, I know that they acquired Bryce Harper. 13 years, $330 million. Everyone knows that. That's fine and dandy. They may have the best offensive lineup in that division. And they added David Robertson to that bullpen. But after Aranola and Jake Arrieta, you got Nick Pavetta, Velasquez, and the other, uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name right now, but I'm not sold on that starting rotation either. Or the bullpen. Something's going to give on that team. And the division mashups are going to be very important in the National League East this year. The National League East is the new juggernaut. In fact, the entire Major League Baseball East is the juggernaut. There's a lot of talented teams out there. You go to the AL East, you got, of course, the Yankees and the Red Sox. But the Red Sox, their bullpen is depleted. You have Ryan Brazier. Who has to be the workhorse for them? Because a lot of these other guys aren't proven elites on an, a vast, highly competitive team. High-profile team. Every, everywhere else you look. You got Chris Sale, Price, Priscello, Iovaldi, and Rodriguez in that starting rotation. That's huge. But you're going to have to get like six, seven innings out of all of them in each start and then hope your bullpen can hold it down I'd be nervous about that the Yankees are starting off the year with a couple big injuries as we mentioned earlier and then you got the Tampa Bay Rays don't sleep on the Tampa Bay Rays you know they don't have big names in their lineup or not the biggest. 
But you know what? They won 90 games last year. So I'm not sleeping on them yet. The Rays can make a run for your money. Mike Zanino and Michael Perez behind the dish. Pretty solid infield. Joey Wendell had a solid year last year. He's proven himself. Maybe he'll even be even better this year. Tommy Pham in the outfield, who's a top 10 outfielder. I'm not sleeping on them. They're a good ball club. Now, I'm not saying that they're favored to win the division or they're going to most definitely win the division. But there's a slim shot that, you know, down the road, if the Yankees or the Red Sox have a cold spell, they have a bad 10-game streak, and the Rays take advantage, hey, who knows? Don't rule them out. Everything's good out of there. But again, the thing that really is the most ridiculous thing in baseball right now is the lack of free agent signings. Because like I said before, the AL Central is so weak that they don't have a super team to beat Cleveland. They don't. Cleveland's winning that division. I'm telling you right now. I'm sorry. Detroit, they're going to be another 65-game winner. Probably. The Twins, they're probably your best bet. Believe it or not. They made it to the playoffs two years ago. They just had a lot of bad breaks last year. But they added, like I said, they added guys like Nelson Cruz. So they did a little bit, but then you got guys in free agency that aren't signed. Gio Gonzalez, Dallas Keuchel. Pretty sure Grendel's not signed yet. Marwin Gonzalez. Who's going to sign these guys? If you want to win, go get players. I'm sorry, Marwin Gonzalez did sign with the Twins. So at least the Twins are doing something. But still, I think that the American League East, or I'm sorry, American League Central, is not good enough to compete with Cleveland. And it's going to be that way until teams try to, you know, make maneuvers to sign guys and trade up and try and get their best players out on the field. And we're still not seeing it. This is the 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Don't go away, because when we come back, we're going to tail away from baseball and head into football. we got a few big groundbreaking news reports to give you. Don't go away. All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. All Noise Radio is an internet radio station that's fully produced by graduates of the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. From modern rock to old school hip hop, country to classical, news, talk, sports, and more. It's the noise you can't ignore. Log on to allnoiseradio.com. Fire up the station. Find out more about your favorite jocks. Get the latest CSB news and more. Plus, 
you can take All Noise Radio with you on the go for free. Just download the Live 365 app to your iPhone, iPod Touch, or BlackBerry and search All Noise Radio. Check out tomorrow's broadcasters today at allnoiseradio.com. Powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. It's the 60-Minute Dash with your host, Hunter Highwell and Nick Pellucci. The 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I'm Nick Pellucci, Hunter Highwell, taking the day off with a sickness. Now, I walked out of my house today, and spring was in the air. Let me tell you, I was able to take off my sweatshirt and roll down the windows with short sleeves on, and it felt great. Being from Long Island, New York where it's notoriously cold in the beginning of March, it really felt good and made me really eager to start spring baseball. I'm eager to get back out and watching games, playing the game itself. It really is awesome. And the weather does help. The weather makes it feel all right. As for the NFL, well, A.B., Antonio Brown, gets exactly what he wants. You believe that? He got exactly what he wanted. He wanted out of Pittsburgh. He wanted guaranteed money. And who gave that to them? The Oakland Raiders have signed Antonio Brown. And he's going to be making at least $13 million a year. I just, oh, can you believe this? So detrimental to the Steelers fan base, to the organization. It's like a swift kick to the behind. What AB has done to Pittsburgh. He saw that Ben Roethlisberger was getting guaranteed money and wasn't putting in the work ethic that he thought he was putting in and said, hey, I deserve some kind of money too. And he threatened to sit out the whole season. He said he doesn't need football. Now, that doesn't throw a red flag to the Oakland Raiders. That he doesn't really need football. He doesn't have to play. Now, I get it. You're, you, you're already through the money. You're willing to make that risk. But it makes you scratch your head a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, if I'm, if I'm the Raiders' front office and I see what he's putting out there, Oh, I don't need football. Oh, he's getting money and really? I understand that you put in the work. I understand that you're top two wide receiver in the National Football League. I get that. But don't make naive comments out in the open. That could jeopardize your job. Because some, some teams don't want that kind of Chemistry in their locker room. The Steelers didn't need it. So it's kind of a good thing that they let him go. Now you can question that they let him go for a third and a fourth. Third and a fifth, I'm sorry. But who really won? Because to me, I think really the Raiders, the Raiders won this. The Raiders are making moves, and they're, they're, they're talking about getting Le'Veon Bell, too. Bring him over. Sure. The Raiders want to win. 
And AB wanted to play for guaranteed money, and that's exactly what he's getting. I think it's incredible. You know, for me, as a sports fan, as a football fan, you know, you kind of pull for the guy, but you kind of don't want that kind of, you know, mentality in a football player. As great as he is, it doesn't matter. I think locker room chemistry is very important, especially in the NFL. And now we're seeing players like this. He's going to be the stepping stone for wide receivers in the NFL now. You're going to tell me that guys aren't going to come out of their contract, the end of their contracts, and say, oh, wait, he got guaranteed money. What about mine? Because there's plenty of valuable wide receivers that can do that. Julio Jones is one of them. There's a wide-range list of players I can name right now that wouldn't mind some extra guaranteed cash. Now, whether or not they're going to hold their ground the way A.B. did. But now you have to look at it and say, oh, was A.B. actually going to sit out? Was he actually going to not play like Lev did? I don't know. I don't know if A.B. really had it in him. So that's why I think the Steelers should have called his bluff. Said, all right, stick with us. You could sit out, I don't care. But the Steelers didn't want that negative atmosphere. They didn't want that in the locker room. And that's why they got rid of him. Today at 12 o'clock, free agency opened up. They could have waited, but they didn't. They gave Again, they gave away a third and a fifth to get rid of A.B., I'm sorry, they gained a third and a fifth to get rid of A.B. They might have lost, but you know what? They got rid of the cancer in that locker room. Now Mike Tomlin could focus on winning. You still got Juju Smith-Suster. You still got James Conner, where the Steelers had probably one of the worst running games last year, and James Conner looked good. Because they broke out for large gains. So we saw good things, but is it good enough? And Big Ben is another year older. He's in his late 30s. And he hasn't made it to an AFC championship in quite some time. Time is ticking there in Pittsburgh. So did they really make the right move? I don't think so. I think that, um, you know, the Raiders won this and they're going to definitely benefit from it in my eyes. Flipping over to the Jets as they uh, acquired Kalechi Oselemi, the guard from Oakland. And I thought this was a great trade. It was a phenomenal trade, and it's exactly where the direction the Jets need to be going. Finally, we could start talking about the Jets in a positive way. McCagnan made the right call. He knows that he has to build up this offensive line, especially for Darnold's development. And that, believe me, this will enhance that. 
And now reports are saying that they're on the fence about getting Le'Veon Bell. I don't think that the Jets necessarily need to go out and get him, but it wouldn't hurt them too much if they did. McKagan has $83 million in cap space. 83 at his disposal. But you got to spend it wisely. Do you want to spend that on a running back who just took a whole year off? Do you think it's going to be able to completely turn around the running game and ultimately help Darnold? Because that's, that's what the basis of this offseason is, building around Darnold. He's the best draft pick that you guys have had in a number of years. Since I've been watching football, this is probably the best draft pick that the Jets have had. And that's no disrespect to Jamal Adams because he has shown what he can be as well. But remember, quarterback is the most, position, most important position in NFL. There's no doubt about that. Which is another reason why the Steelers went on to give a guaranteed contract and pay Big Ben instead of a young, much younger Antonio Brown. Because they know how important the quarterback position is. And finally, I think the Jets are seeing that. The Jets have the potential to build a franchise team around Sam Darnold. It's going to work if they make all the right moves. And again, I'm not mad at this trade for Kalashio Sunley. I'm not. It's a great move. And I don't think that the Jets are done. The Jets are going to continue to do what they have to do. They're still they still have a hole to fill on that offensive line. And you know, despite the skepticism on Adam Gase and his new team, his new plethora of coaching staff, I think this is the step in the right direction for the New York Jets. It's not a bad signing. But again, the Jets need to do more. If they want to compete, they would got to do more if they want to protect and develop Sam Darnold. And the Jets still face questions at cornerback. The corners are not set in stone. Claiborne signed two one-year contracts in the previous two years. Daryl Roberts, I mean, he did okay last year. Buster Screen got hurt. But there's a lot to deal with right now for the Jets. There's still more work to do. And the Tremaine Johnson signing. You know, we spent a lot of money on him. And what did he prove to us last year? I don't know, man. I don't think that, you know, I'm not sold on that. I'm not. Tremaine Johnson, we talked about him a lot on this show. We took shots at him because of the lack of performance for the money he's getting. It's just not acceptable. Not acceptable at all. 
But the Jets can pull off a good offseason if they make all the right moves. And I believe that they can. They just have to go out and do it. It has to be done. They could get Tevin Coleman to back up Isaiah Crowell. That's not a bad idea. Or sign Matt Paradis. That'd be a perfect compliment for Kalechi Loselmi. And I remember I don't know if you guys remember me talking about D Ford. He's probably out of the question now for a defensive end. A pass rusher that we need. With the recent news that the Chiefs have decided to part ways with Justin Houston. A four-time Pro Bowler. That's huge. So D Ford is probably staying put there in Kansas City. You know? The Jets and 49ers are pursuing linebacker Quan Alexander. The Tampa Bay Buccaneer linebacker who's in free agency. But he wants an annual salary that reaches almost $12 million a year. So that's another thing to put in consideration for GM McCagnan. But that would be a big step in the defense. So there's a lot of holes to fill for the Jets. For sure. And they could go for uh, C.J. Mosley as well. But that raises the question. Who are the Jets going to go for in the first round of the draft at the number three spot? Are they going to trade down? Or are they going to stick at number three and try and get a defensive end, which will maybe probably go in the first or second round to the 49ers or the Cardinals? Now, I know the Cardinals are looking at Kyler Murray. But you know what? I can't see Nick Bosa dropping down to the number three. And he's your best bet. But I think the Jets have to go either another offensive lineman, if they can't sign anybody in this free agency, or go ahead and get your defensive end, if you can. As for right now, free agents open. Go and get a linebacker. Go and get Kawan Alexander. Go and get... C.J. Mosley. Why not? I know it's bad news for Darren Lee, but you know what? So be it. We're trying to be a better team. We're trying to compete. We got to close the gap between us and the Patriots. Because if we don't do anything, Patriots win the division before the season even starts. But to keep it on a good note, and I'll end on this, the Jets have the utmost potential to be contenders in the 2019 season. All they have to do is get the pieces they need, and that is one more offensive lineman and a pass rusher and solidify that secondary on defense. You can do that, and this team is something to be reckoned with. Thank you guys so much for listening to the 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. You can join us every Monday live on Instagram around 12 o'clock. Uh, our shows go on All Noise Radio Thursdays at 5, Saturdays at 3 p.m. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60 Minute Dash. We put up polls and we you can ask us questions anytime. Just use the hashtag Ask60. And another notable mention, in two weeks we will have our first interview with 
the one of the top prospects in baseball, Anthony Molina. That all coming to you on the 60-Minute Dash. Again, I'm Nick Pellucci. Thanks for listening.